All right, I think we got him on the line now. My man Luke Johnson is with us. Good morning, Luke. What's happening, my friend? Happy Thanksgiving. Good morning, Scott. Happy Thanksgiving. I apologize for that. I have my phone on. Do not disturb. It's all good, man. I um, my mine's mine's on that quite a bit. I, well, it is sometimes if I'm like trying to sleep. A lot of times I just have it set up where if it's if it's not a number I recognize, it it just goes straight to my voicemail. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. it, I, I try to, I try to keep it on do not disturb overnight just because uh, I get so many Twitter alerts on my phone. Um, oh, you got Twitter alerts? Set way up. too much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's dangerous, man. All I know is when they made like all those Terminator movies and movies about like robots taking over in the future. I never thought it would be it would actually play out where the robots taking over would be robocalls that just hit up our cell phones twenty four seven with now with text messages and oh click here to claim your prize and I, that that's really what's driving us insane. That's what's going to end the world of the or the the robocalls and texts. I'll tell you what's driving me insane is Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter. That's that's what's driving me insane. <laughs> uh, but no, Sky, Skynet's already in our. Uh, Already in our Apple Watches, man. It's, it's it's too late. It's too late. We already let them in. I just I just watched a, I just watched a video the other day. It was uh, you know the the if it's like Boston Robotics or something like that. That yeah. the people make those scary looking robots and, and they run like dogs and stuff uh-huh, like that. Uh huh. <laughs> those always and, and freak just, me out when I see them. Always. Well, I just saw a video the other day. These people like. <laughs> There's two people in the video, one shooting it with a gun and the other one's yeah. cracking it with a whip. With a whip. He's coming at him. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? What, what kind of, what, what, I, I, that's some weird robot stuff right there. The robot's just taking gunshots and whips. Like, I don't know if they're, yeah. you know what, that, we know what that probably is. That's probably Indiana, that's probably, I think they're making another Indiana Jones. Harrison Ford's like 90. That's probably just going to be a stunt double. It's just a legit robot. I, that's all I can think of. I don't know why else you would do that. Uh, Luke Johnson, our guest. You guys know him, uh, whether it be from his time years ago covering the Cajuns, whether it be his time covering LSU, or whether it be his time on the beat covering the Saints over the last couple of years. Uh, Luke, uh, Thomas Morstead, you know, I wrote about this last night. Um, as as you've known uh, since you've been in South Louisiana, Luke, I'm sure as you learned probably when you were just in Lafayette and certainly now on the beat with the Saints, is that uh, Saints and Falcons just, they don't get along. There is a healthy sports hatred that sometimes borderlines on unhealthy, but it's real. Um, Thomas Morstead was a guy that in his 11 seasons with the Saints ascended to fan favorite, and I think there are a number of reasons why, right? He was a humanitarian. He was a good player, but I think he really got the fan base he had a legit relationship with him it wasn't just on the surface and so when he when he signed with the falcons yesterday when he wrote i acknowledge that this will pain many of my biggest supporters all i can say is my love for new orleans is as strong as ever i I thought it was i thought it was kind of perfect but what has been some of the more notable reactions you've seen from fans regarding this signing Uh, man i it, to be honest, I haven't, I haven't looked through the uh, through the fans' reactions, but um, <laughs> I, I love that Thomas went there. Though uh, you're, you're absolutely right, the guy has just he, he's so he's so aware of his place here, you know. Um, which like, like it, it is very just perfect that uh, that New Orleans had a, a punter who became like a fan favorite here. 
you know, like a like a like a a, a hero. <laughs> um, and and Thomas is, uh, I mean, I mean, such a smart guy, and and he just absolutely gets it. Um, and uh, <laughs> like to see him reference that that he is just you know. Feeling their pain, yeah, uh, by by like continuing his NFL career. It's it's this <laughs> juxtaposition, man, for fans. I mean, yeah. the guy the guy is announcing that he's continuing his career with the Falcons, and in that same announcement, he has hashtag Hootat for life. Like you probably will <laughs> never see that again. Like this is like, Devontae Freeman. You know, was on the Saints for like a five minutes, but. He right. he went. I mean, you were at the press conference, right? He said, or the Zoom call. He was like, "Yeah, man, it's a dream come true to sign with New Orleans." Like, you know, conversely, Morstead's like, "I know that a lot of you are hurting about this. Like, it's totally different, man. It's uh, because it's it's real, what, what, and, and, what, and yet it's somehow kind of humorous, you know." I think my favorite thing. I, I, I do. I did actually see one one comment, uh, but it wasn't from a fan though. Uh, the, the Saints team account uh, commented on his uh, on his Instagram post and said, uh, <laughs> "We hope you get the punt every play, every play, <laughs> every play, every play." It's going to be really weird. There, there were some, there were some really funny ones. There was, there's one I saw where a fan doctored up the the photo to make it look like his. He's holding up his contract in the picture. They made it look like it was a ransom note, like you know, it was like, "Help me! I've been kidnapped." They're all asking to look at my ring, so. The fans are having fun with it. It will be really weird to see him uh, in a Falcons jersey, but you know what? Uh, the man wants to continue his career, and and I get that. But it's 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 very unique. I don't know that there's another player uh, that that realistically could sign right, a player that realistically could sign with Atlanta that would have the same kind of emotional reaction from their arch rival fan base and the saints then because you i mean someone could say breeze whatever that's we all know that's not going to happen he's not playing anymore morstead is like the one guy i think that would create maybe maybe cam jordan but of course he's not a free agent he's not looking to continue work so morstead was kind of the only guy that could have done what what he did and gotten the reaction that he got yesterday yeah, no, he's a cult hero, and and you know, and, he, and he's also a punter. You know, <laughs> it's 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 gonna hurt a lot worse if he like crushes a fifty-eight yard punt against the Saints than it would if uh, if Cam Jordan's out there, you know, getting three or four sacks or something like that. Yeah, uh, good stuff. Luke Johnson, our guest. Um, Luke, I I don't I really this is a question that I've been asked, and and you probably wouldn't have an answer, but. I, I just wanted to get your perspective on it, or if it's something you've been asked before. Um, I don't, I don't know the intricacies of, of a team's medical staff, and I know in-game injuries are what they are. Uh, I, I've talked to players that have been on the Saints in the past that have opened up to me about whether it be a misdiagnosis, whether it be getting back out there too soon. Um, you've had a number of Saints players that. You know, it looks like they come back, they're going to practice, and then there's a setback. Um, it, it, notable players, really good ones. Is there is there a potential issue here with with the medical staff, or is is the injury bug this year just that, just biting the Saints over and over and over, and it's just just part of the game? Well, I, I think there's probably a little bit of both. Uh, just being completely frank. Um, 
you know, they've, they've certainly just had their fair share of bad luck this year, right? Uh, just injuries to key players over and over. You know, the, the Michael Thomas thing, you know, that was kind of out of the Saints' hands. That was in, in Michael Thomas's court, and he didn't do what he needed to do. And then, um, you know, I, I think the setback was, was part of that. Um, but, you know, they, they do have they do have some new guys on their on their training staff this year. You have Bo Lowry went to LSU. Um and yeah, I don't think that they're entirely happy with uh, with what's going on there. Um, so, you know, without getting into like too much of the details, I, I, I don't know like exactly uh, like, like any exact concrete examples of, of guys being misdiagnosed or anything like that. Sure. But um, I, I do I do know that um, that this is not this is not something that. Um, So what's the best way to put this, Scott? I, I don't think this is something that they feel was uh, was handled the best way this year. Like I, I don't think they've had this huge you know, this this rash of injuries that that you know that I think was going to happen regardless. I, I don't think it's been handled the best way. Gotcha. Um, and you know, I, I I think there's a possibility there's a change at, at some some level in their staff in the off season. Yeah, I think I think that's I'm going to be paying close attention to that you know it might be just one of those off-season notes that that kind of comes and goes but i think if it happens it's it's very notable this year um because they are they're beat up i mean yeah it's a short week and they've got a lot of players on ir they added two more yesterday and their injury report for guys on the active roster is almost five times as long as buffalo's uh again i some some people say, oh, well, it's, you know, injuries, it's just excuse, blah, 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 blah. I, I get that Sean Payton's fighting against that, and I don't know that injuries had anything to do with, you know, the, the Saints struggling to stop uh, the read option and struggling to stop Jalen Hurts. I'm not blaming it on all of the Saints' issues in recent weeks, but when you have, when, you know, when you're, when you're missing QB1, running back one, two all-pro tackles, a Pro Bowl guard, um, you know, wide receiver one, like your kit, your Pro Bowl kicker, and you've been through what five now. Like, you can't. Every team deals with injuries, but it's not like it's this blank. You know, this this thing. Oh, everyone deals with it, so you just got to roll. Like, eh, not all injuries are created yeah. equal, Luke. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and we're not just talking about like, you know, RB one and wide receiver one. We're talking about um, one of the best players in the NFL. Bar none, right. and Alvin Kamara, what uh, like the most important player to their uh, to what they try to do uh, as a team, and then um, you know, a guy who two years ago was the NFL's offensive player of the year, and every time he's ever been healthy, he's caught like 120 balls a year. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, we're we're not we're not just talking about like scrubs that they're missing, or even just like average NFL starters. Like these guys are superstars. Um, or in the case of Jameis Winston, their starting quarterback, you know, and there's, there's just, I was telling somebody this yesterday, like every single person who plays in the NFL is really, really good at football. Like they're one of the best players in the world. And there is a huge gap between those guys and the elite players, you know, <laughs> like, like Trevor Simeon is one of the 50 best quarterbacks in the entire world. Uh, Trevor Simeon, there's no comparison between him and Aaron Rodgers, right? No, no. None, none. And he's and he's and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the entire world. 
It's just when when you start when you start taking out truly elite players, and I think they they're right now at least offensively missing four elite players um, with the two tackles and, and Kamara and and, uh, and Michael Thomas. I, and, I mean, it's it's impossible. It's impossible to make that up. I, and it doesn't matter how how good your scheme is, and it doesn't matter. Uh, you know how good your backups are. Those those players are are foundational cornerstone players, and uh, and if you start taking multiples out of there, especially on one side of the ball, at, at multiple levels, it's just it's it's really it, it's impossible. It, there's it, the fact that they're five and five right now is I, just a miracle. I don't. I don't know how they won some of those early games. Uh, yeah, without some of these players. And then it, the, the Tennessee and Atlanta game was right there for the taking. Um, I say for the taking. I mean, yeah, they, you could they, argue they should be. Yeah. they should be better. But uh, <laughs> you know, last week was just they. They got. They got beat. Um, and and you, Sean Payton is so guarded with the injury questions, not because he doesn't understand why you guys are asking them, because he just doesn't want any kind of excuse to creep in and. And you're talking about the backups. Another thing I said about the Saints coming into this season is after the offseason that they had, I thought that they went from being a team with some of the most depth in the NFL to some of the least. And then this year, more than the last four years, you've had to rely on depth more than the previous four. And it's the year where suddenly your depth just isn't what it used to be. I mean, they're trying things. They're trying to figure it out. But the, the difference is evident. And yet here they are. Five and five, yeah, there's their first three-game losing streak since 2016. But when you look at, you know, the six and seven seed in the NFC playoffs, there's going to be like five teams fighting for those last two spots. And the Saints are one of them if they can kind of get off the schneid here. Now, you got the Bills tomorrow, and, and Drew Brees will be a big focus and everything else like that. But the Bills are a team also. I, I, I almost feel like in, in some ways, Luke, it's a must-win for both teams, for the Saints got to get off the snide for the bills there i think their their realistic aspirations are different right i mean they're looked at as sort of a super bowl contender and yet they've lost two or three one of them was to the jags they got housed by the colts they turned it over four times and now they're on national tv it's it's kind of like it's not like if the bills lose they're they're out of the playoff hunt but i think the doubt starts to creep in as to whether or not they're actual contenders and so when you kind of put the measuring stick for each of these teams and what would be considered a, a very successful season for them, I look at this game tomorrow night in a lot of ways as a must-win for both sides. Yeah, it absolutely is. I, so, you know, I was, I was looking back at it. Uh, you know, the Saints, I think, have only lost four consecutive games, uh, I think three times under Peyton. I think it was fifteen oh seven. That might have been it, actually. It been tw- well, yeah, that's true because in twenty twelve he wasn't the head coach. Yeah, right, right. So, um, I was looking back at the last ten years of just NFL football. It's a little bit different this year with the seventeen game regular season, and uh, you know, last year they expanded the playoff field to seven teams. Um, but in the last ten seasons, there have been uh, one hundred and thirty five teams um, that have lost four straight games and some of those teams lost it like had multiple streaks of four four games uh, four losses um eight of those 135 teams made the playoffs um never more than one in a season um so you know 
I mean, it's not necessarily causality, right? Like a four-game losing streak doesn't mean like you're automatically booted from the playoffs. It just usually means you're a bad team. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, you know, when, when you're when you're putting together those long streaks, um, it makes it it, it obviously <laughs> makes it harder, right? It makes it harder to put together the type of record that that gets you into the playoffs. And uh, and usually those teams that lose a bunch of uh, that lose four games are, are one and done teams in the playoffs. They're, they're wild cards, or they're um, you know, they're a, a, like a Panthers team that won the the division with a seven and nine record or something like that. So uh, they they want to try to avoid that. And obviously they got the Cowboys next week, and that's that's you know another challenging game. I mean you could see this being a five game losing streak, and if they're five and seven um, after being five and two. Uh, yeah, the 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 window for them to to get into the playoffs with some good teams still ahead of them on the schedule are, is is it doesn't look very good. Um, and then you know I think you're absolutely right about Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo was also five and two, um, and you know, that's a that's a team that I think had Super Bowl aspirations coming into the year. Josh Allen was a MVP candidate. Um, his first seven games, he had 21 touchdowns and four turnovers, uh, like 21 total touchdowns. Um, I, I mean, he's he was off to an awesome start, and then he started playing poorly, and the rest of the team has with him. Um, he has more turnovers and touchdowns the last three games. Um, so I, I think these are two teams that have uh, you know, different aspirations for them. You know, everybody says they want to win the Super Bowl, but I think you know if they're being realistic, the Saints wanted to get to the playoffs, and Buffalo wanted to get to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they they are both going in the wrong direction toward those goals right now. Um, and you know I, I still think, as of right now, just with who they have on their roster, Buffalo is a better team. Um, and just if if the Saints go out there again without you know one or two of their tackles and Alvin Kamara and you know, two of their best defensive linemen. Yeah, I just have a really hard time seeing them stack up talent-wise. Um, <clears throat> but if Buffalo doesn't win this game, they've got some serious, serious problems. You know, I think um, you know, as muddled as the AFC picture is and as as, as much time as, as really both teams have to kind of get things together just because there's so many teams jumbled in there, um, you know, I, I think – if you're not winning this game, um, you know, you're you're basically just starting the starting the clock <laughs> for for a disappointing end of the season, um, yeah. in my opinion. It's it's a big one, and uh, the challenge is plentiful for the Saints. With a win, you give yourself breathing room. Even if you lose to Dallas, you look at the stretch run. You got some divisional opponents like Atlanta and Carolina. You got Miami and the Jets in there. You, you got winnable games. Even as beat up as you are, it doesn't mean you're going to. But, you know, games that aren't going to be as lopsided. It's a uh, And then just with the injuries and it being a short week, it, it's weird. It's hard to predict how this thing is going to shake out tomorrow. Um, and I, I obviously, if, you know, the Bills turn it over four times, then the Saints can win. You know, I mean, look what happened, what, what the Colts did to them last week. But they protect the ball. It's going to be awfully hard for the saints to get the win luke johnson our guest espn lafayette this is the great scott show i'm scott prather luke let me ask you about Taysom hill uh two-part question one i i I talked about it yesterday um there's certain things that that people believe on the internet or maybe even pre-internet right like phil collins in the air tonight it was a song about watching someone drown no he said it was 
wasn't about that at all. You know, Richard Gere, I'm not going to go there. You know, Rod Stewart. But there are these things that, 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 that sort of take on, like, urban legend. And Taysom Hill's last contract kind of did that. And I don't know if this new one will, too. Uh, I look at it as, you know, they're relieving cap for next year. They keep him at the same cost because I don't think he's ever going to be the full-time quarterback. But what can you tell us about this Taysom Hill contract, this latest one? Uh, is it going to just turn into another, you know, in the air tonight sort of urban legend? And the follow-up is, is Taysom going to play quarterback at some point here down the stretch if he gets healthy? Or is if Simeon's healthy, is he just going to continue to to be the starter? Two very interesting questions. Uh, so first of all, I'm, I'm never going to, to claim to uh, to pretend to understand or know how football fans are going to react to something. <laughs> <laughs> um, because point. it just continue, it continues to baffle me. Uh, what what gets people riled up and, and what doesn't? Um, but the the fact of the matter is, Taysom Hill is like one of the most polarizing players I've ever encountered. Um, people love him, people hate him, people despise him, people don't understand him. Um, and there's very few people who are just like, yeah, he's an okay player. Um, everybody has just like an, an incredibly hot take about him. Uh-huh. Um, and it, and yeah, it really just ramps up the discourse when the saints do something like, Hey, we're going to assign this guy to a, a funny money for year, $140 million extension. Um, and, uh, and already the salary cap is a very hard thing to understand. And, and there are a lot of people who just really, really don't understand it because I, you know, cause, because they don't have to. Because normal teams don't operate like this, right? <laughs> but everybody down here is like, oh yeah, of course, like that money is just going to void, and it's not real money. You know, everybody, everybody in New Orleans is just like, you know, they're they're like in Stockholm syndrome with Kai Harley and Mickey Loomis running the salary cap. And they're like, of course, this is this is the way it works. This is just. Yeah, don't you guys understand that they have like geniuses running this thing to make it look like something that it's not? It's smoke and mirrors, don't you get it? Everybody's like four years, hundred forty million. Um, so it, it was actually really interesting. I think it was uh, Dan Graziano um, put out a uh, like a tweet thread about this, and you guys should check it out if 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 you you know like learning some of these details. Um, basically. So, so the the four year, hundred and forty million, quote unquote, extension that that he signed this March was essentially the whole thing was going to void, and they set it up with the idea that they were going to assign him to uh, an extension before he hit free agency, um, <clears throat> because the the extension that he signed was was going to automatically void prior to the twenty twenty two season. Um, so there's a rule in the CBA that says, you know, you cannot sign, you cannot sign an an extension, like two extensions in the same year. If the second one is going to pay you more money. So the reason they put it at $35 million a year or whatever the, the annual figure was, was because they, they wanted to have the ability to sign him to an extension in the season without going over uh, the the dollar figure of the, the funny money deal, if that makes sense. Like, like they restructured the, the yeah, deal yeah. and made it automatically void so they could get some immediate cap relief. Uh-huh. Right? They, they added the, the void years to push money down and 
into the future. And then they were like, okay, well, we're probably going to sign you to another extension. We're definitely not going to pay you $35 million a year or more. Uh, but if you're the starting quarterback, like, you know, you're like, maybe we'll sign you to a $25 million deal, you know, or something like that. $25 million a year. Like if, if you're the starting quarterback and you're playing well. So it, it was just, it was, it was, all it was was like a smart accounting thing. Uh, and now, you know, people, maybe they'll, they'll look at it and say, Oh, you're paying Taysom Hill $95 million a year, but, you know, I, I mean, they're only going to be paying him not, not $95 million, yeah. 95 over four, but you're only going to be paying them that if he's, if he's your starting quarterback. So you have the ultimate control over it. The only thing I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm curious as to how it's going to work is how, how the deal's structured. Um, because, you know, if they're, if they're like tied up against the salary cap, they go like, Hey, sorry, Taysom, like, uh, we can only pay you ten million dollars this year. We're gonna have to have somebody else play quarterback. It's that's it's really interesting. Yeah, if it if it um, comes down to where like they run out of QBs and suddenly it's like, well, if we put them in for the rest of this game, we might have to. Oh, oh, we're we're gonna go over the cap. What do we do here? Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know that they'll ever get to that place, but it's something they're gonna have to bear in mind. And to your point, Luke, looking at Graziano's explanation of it all, it, it seems like this is. This extension, and he puts it in quotes, was basically in the works last year when they signed that, you know, or or whenever he signed that other deal, right? And and you can't rework a contract within one calendar year of its signing. So once the calendar year pass, because you can't raise the the current year cap number, so that's why the you know thirty five million was so obscenely high. And now they wait till after a calendar year, and boom, the latest extension goes in, and they spread it out and. Anyway, it's look, it's one of those things that the common fan of of whether it be a Saints fan or another team is never going to really, I think, fully understand. And let's be honest, most of them on social media don't really want to understand. They just want to yell and make fun of the Saints or they want to be a Saints fan and yell at everyone and say, you have no idea what you're talking about. And then they just yell at everyone into a void and nothing ever actually gets done. And then, you know, as far as Taysom Mill, the player goes, I mean, I'm with you polarizing is a great word to describe it. I, I think he's the best athlete on the team. Um, you could argue Alvin Kamara, certainly. I mean, nobody can do the things Kamara can do. But at the NFL level, how many can do what, what Taysom can do? You know what I mean? And when he's healthy, might not be the starting quarterback, but, man, he's a weapon. And, and they, they, they could use a healthy Taysom Hill tomorrow night. If they, if they want to be hoisting up turkey legs tomorrow, uh, having Taysom in the lineup somehow, some way, doing what he does best, I think could go a long way to them possibly being able to do that. Yeah, he's really important to what they do. He really is. Um, and anybody who says he's not is, is just lying to themselves. Um, yeah, may, maybe he's not like a, yeah, maybe he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL, right? I still, I still think personally that, that he would probably be a, a better option for them than, than Trevor Simeon. I if, said that since the beginning a lot of people gave me grief for that um but there's just like a they have they have no weapons right and and i don't think it's as much as i I love Taysom as a football player i don't think having Taysom hill on the outside uh as a slot receiver or whatever is like gonna get the job done um and all of a sudden give you explosive weapons in the passing game um, so I just think he has a he has a like a level of of dynamism at the quarterback position 
that you just don't get with with Trevor, and um, he, he can allow you to do some things where you're not completely dependent on the on Alvin Kamara or Mark Ingram or whoever's playing running back uh, to to go do right. Um, and I know you you asked this question at the beginning, and not just now, but I guess I'm going to answer it now. I think if uh, if he does get healthy, and I think the concussion and the foot injury played a huge part in this, but I think if he does get healthy, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see to see them turn to him for you know what, whatever it might be in the last four games, five games, especially if they get in a little bit of a rut here, uh, if Simeon can't pull him out. Um, so that's kind of where we'll leave that. ESPN Lafayette, Luke Johnson has been our guest. Um, final Saints question for you, Luke. What's your gut telling you right now? Is this team, are they going to sneak into the playoffs? Which, which if they do, I think it's, it's an amazing accomplishment based on uh, what they had coming into the season and certainly the way the season has played out to this point. Or are they likely going to continue a skid and, and just be on the outside looking in? Uh, my gut's telling me no. I, I just, I'm, at, I'm having a really hard time seeing them win either of these next two games, which is a shame because they're at home. <laughs> like they finally get to play some home games. Um, but I, you know, I think they're going to have a lot of guys out again tomorrow. Um, we'll get a, obviously a better idea today when the injury report comes out. Maybe they've been just hiding guys yeah. to, to give them at least another day of rest yeah. before the game. Um, but I, I'd have a, I'd have a hard time. If, if they're missing Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, uh, Ryan Ramchek again, um, <clears throat> it's really hard for me to see him to, to find a path to win that game unless they're just forcing five interceptions I mean, on Josh Allen. Three new um, old linemen starting, backup tight ends starting, you know, backup yeah, receivers, I mean, third string running backs that are coming off of IR, third string quarterback. Like, you're going to have to turn it over and do something good on special teams, which, you know, the same special teams has been great, Luke, with one major exception, that being the kicking. Uh, of field goals and yeah, PATs. The one, the one that so. results in points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah hey, hey, that's, really? that's, the one you, that's the one you need, <laughs> right? Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, just I, I think they could they could be five and seven after these next two weeks, and there's some winnable games in front of them, and, and they could still they could still you know, they could conceivably rip off a, a five game win streak or, or, or go four and one and, and and go nine and eight and get some help, you know. Um, but it's it's just they're going to probably have a real tough road ahead of them after these next two weeks. Right. Uh, if they can just win one of these games, I think they, they have a much better chance. But uh, as of right now, I'm saying no. All right, Luke Johnson, all right, we're, we're going to put the Saints to rest for now. Uh, follow Luke on Twitter if you're not already. I'm sure most of you are, but it's at by Luke Johnson, B-Y Luke Johnson. Check out all his stuff on the beat covering the Saints for the uh, Times-Picune, New Orleans Advocate, NOLA.com. You can get a lot more of his great stuff there. Um, quick quick, quick television question. Do you do you guys watch Yellowstone? I have not started Yellowstone yet, no. Okay. All right. Well, we're going we're gonna to pass on that then and go to something that I know is near and dear to your heart. Uh, uh, hashtag Luke Eats, right? I mean, you've been doing it for years. Tomorrow, I know you're working tomorrow night, but I also know you're gonna you're gonna have some Thanksgiving food. So, what what's the ideal Thanksgiving plate for Luke Johnson? Oh man. Okay, the ideal plate is just loaded, right? 
so we have some some turkey and uh you know honestly like we we did a little friendsgiving thing last week and we got a, a popeye's turkey oh, those uh, are good. it was incredible oh, yeah it's like cajun seasoning on it um we popped it in the oven for like it was like three hours and it was done and uh it was outstanding uh so so let's let's go some turkey and some ham double up on the meat uh gravy on both i want mashed potatoes i want cornbread stuffing I want a little bit of cranberry, not too much. I want some mac and cheese, some like real good mac and cheese. Let's see, I want some uh, like some sweet potato uh, casserole, and then to close it all off, I want some pumpkin pie and some ice cream. Mm-hmm. I think I'll, I'll probably have like I'll probably double up on the food plate and then probably double up on the on the ice cream too. Now, you, do you need to eat early Thursday because you got to get to the dome early for work? But with a plate like that, you also are going to need a nap. Yes, yeah, so that's that's the the challenge of covering a game on Thanksgiving. Honestly, uh, so uh, so I, I I moved to Louisiana with one of my buddies from Marine Corps and his family's from Metairie, uh, and then. My wife's family has a tradition where they go to the. Uh, it's it's like kind of a New Orleans thing. The the horse racing track here, like their first race of the year, is it's always on Thanksgiving, and um, and we go and we dress up, and everybody has their mimosas and their bloody marys, and you know, since I'll be working, I'll be having an orange juice. Um, go out there, watch a couple of those, probably eat some eat something at the track, head out to Metairie, eat like an early like Thanksgiving lunch, catch a little bit of the first game. And then go to uh, my in-laws' house and probably catch another, eat another plate of food. Um, there's going to have to probably be some exercise in there just to work up a little bit of an appetite. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's it, it's like it's really tough to like to navigate the two meals. Plus, I'll probably be eating at the Superdome. I'm, I'm going to gain like ten pounds on Thursday. <laughs> great. Luke eats Thanksgiving. That's what the hashtag is for uh, tomorrow. All right, man. Well, look, I I know you got to start preparing. I know you being a a, a veteran, a Marine, um, you, you went through a lot of training for that. And I, I think for a day like tomorrow, for a man of your talents, you got to yeah, – I know you've been training for a day like tomorrow with the food aspect and the work aspect. So I enough, enough conversation with me. I'm going to let you get to training, get to work, and good luck tomorrow. The key is to put yourself in position and never say no. So <laughs> – so I think I might just go run like 10 miles real quick here. So. Good luck, man. Hey, dude, all the best. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm thankful you're, you're always generous with your time. It's always fun talking to you on these airwaves. And um, all the best, man. And uh, we'll be reading your stuff. And enjoy that game tomorrow night. Sounds great, Scott. Thanks for having me on, man. I always appreciate coming on with you. You got it, brother. That is Luke Johnson, our friend from the Times-Picayune, the advocate, NOLA.com, covering the Saints.